Welcome to Regarding, Regarding, Regarding. Regarding, Regarding. Regarding, Regarding, Regarding. Regarding, Regarding. 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 The podcast where Brad and Adam regard 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 the podcast where Brad and Adam. Regard the podcast where Brad and Adam. Regard the podcast where Brad and Adam. Regard the Mike Nichols and J.J. Abrams film regarding Henry. How are you, Brad? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Adam? I'm well. I'm well. It's it's really great to hear your voice. Yep. It's... uh... It's been a while. Been a while. We don't like talk to each other. No, we type we send, to each other a lot. We type to each other. We send, yeah, the yeah. written word. I mean, an astute listener might notice that our last episode <laughs> was recorded before Christmas. Whew. Yet it was released around the same time we were recording this one. So for us, it's been a while. It's for the listener. It, it's it was a while a while back. Time is a slippery mistress. Yeah, without a doubt. So, but for yeah, us, so I- it's like we're getting back. Uh, you know, we're, we're 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 settling back in. I'm back. You know, and you walk into the church. <laughs> People are turning around. You know, Aerosmith's right. playing. <laughs> It's ultra yes. slow-mo. Things are, like, exploding through the air. <laughs> I forget all what else was going on, but it was some crazy shit. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I just have the memory of that song as tethering me, and now I remember the slow-mo. I think it was Boom. a wedding. Yeah, the wedding, the back doors, the church fly open. There you are. And then someone in the foreground turns, looks right in the camera. <laughs> that crazy family. Is this like a... Uh... Is this an episode of That Crazy Family? Uh, no, I think it's a spearmint gum commercial. <laughs> right. Oh, I guess. Boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah, I was so doing much. some fishtailing out there. Oh, I don't like it. In the, just just a tiny bit. Did it was you, mostly okay. You just had to go a little, little slow. So it took yeah. me a while to get through all my uh, tasks. It took a while. Before I could get here. It took a while. <laughs> um, yeah, you were doing some tasks, and it's dark, and it's yes. snowy, and it's yes. wintry. It's yes. a wintry mix, if not straight up snow up there. Yeah, it was snow. I mean, a wintry mix is worse than snow as I far think. as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't as bad as a wintry mix. <laughs> it's a wintry mix. What do we call this when it's kind of like rain and ice and snow all at once? Let's call it we rain don't... and ice and snow all at once. Yeah. Yes. Can't we do better? All these Is there things something happen shorter? 
together. It's as if it's some sort of wintry mix. Wintry mix. mix. <laughs> yes, I'm channeling. That reminds me, you know, in uh, Star Trek, I'm going to bring up my favorite topic. Hey, Star I'm all Trek for it. First Contact. I want to learn. Which was a next generation movie. I liked that one. And good. they um, go back in time. Because they go time. back in time, right? And they meet the guy who developed the first warp drive, right? Right, Zephram Cochran. Yeah, that's him. Who was also in an episode of the original series. Not the same actor. Not the same actor. Okay. But he was established as the guy that invented warp drive. Now, there's some sci-fi reason why this guy from like 200 years in the past ended up palling around with Kirk and Spock, and I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> well, but, you know but, we're going to get into that rotten so stuff we'll, soon We'll enough. get into that rotten stuff eventually, yeah. Maybe we'll do a good episode of Trek Balls or something for that. All but, right. But, um, you know, so since then, they they kind of like, since in that episode of the original series, they established Zephram Cochran as the inventor of Warp Drive, they then got, you know, started using that all over the place, right? Not in the original series, because it wasn't quite like that back then, right? Where you wanted to create those little You didn't tricks. do all the world building that you right. do now. But like in Next Generation, they throw that, oh, the oh, well, I was at the Cochrane Institute, right? Or something like that. Or I was going to say, know, that sounded very TNGE. Yeah. Or, you know, they're, they're talking about the engines, and they're like, warp, warp field at... 650 millicochrons. Millicochrons. Yes, a cochrane is a unit of warp field pressure. I mean, millicochrons. He couldn't have yes. been too popular with the ladies with a name like <laughs> millicochrane. No, no. I got your millicochrane. But yeah, so anyway, Zephram Cochrane, it's all, all going to feed back to the wintry mix. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait. So in that episode, Don't, they threw I mean, something take your time, in there, though. which Seriously, I'm kind of divided on. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to make sure I get this right. So in this Star Trek Next Generation movie, they go back in time and happen upon Zephram Cochran, who is trying to, you know, who's getting ready to do his first warp flight. Right, changes the course of all Back to the future recently. All galactic history, right? I shouldn't really say galactic history because Star Trek takes place in a very small sliver of the galaxy. Does it? It's something like four percent of the galaxy. That's how Wait. fucking huge a galaxy is, man. Well, right. I was gonna say like they're very. They make a. They're adamant about like being detailed. Right. About things like that. It's not like Star Wars where they go traipsing across the galaxy. You don't do that. Right. You exactly. just don't do it. Exactly. You don't just do crazy shit. Yeah. Don't one get me started does with not Star Wars. Simply go from one end of the galaxy to another. Said Boromir. Yes, he did say that. Anyway, all this is to say Star Trek First Contact has well, I want a strange, you to take your time, though. Has a strange line time. in it. So Zephram Cochran is here. Zephram with an M? Zephram? With an M. Zephram, yes. He's, so, so he's there. Here are these people from, I don't know, what would this be? 200-some years in the future, I guess? It's not far enough 250. in the future, though. 
Well, well I Zeph- guess it depends. Zephram Cochran is around. Yeah, I guess I don't fucking know when Zephram Cochran is. Look at this. Look at me. I guess it is more like the late 21st century. It's not the mid 22nd. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, this is like 2070s or something like that, I think. Yeah, it's this century. It's like 50 years from now. We could conceivably still be alive. I'm like, well, you know, unless that bell curve happens real soon. Like, it's already happening, but at what point does it start exponentially skyrocketing? Like, 50 years from now, and he's inventing a warp drive? Well, you know what? Who the fuck knows? Well, you know, obviously... In the, yeah, 2063. Oh, wow. Is when they went back to in this movie. So, yeah, that's hmm. just, uh, which granted, this movie was made in the 90s. So, 2063 seemed a lot further away, even though it's just like kind of like 20 years difference. Yeah, that still seemed like might as well have been a different millennia. M- yeah. Millennium. Right. Um, but now Heinrich, we're just. Uh, in movie, TV show. Yeah, but now we're just like 45 years away from this. Doesn't seem so crazy now, yeah. does it? Technically, yes, you're right. We could be alive, bopping around there in like this post World War Three kind of shit land. Yeah, but where you can go the speed of light. Well, where some guy, and that that is a confusing thing about cons. how this. They never really explain it, like how this guy, like he lives in some kind of weird post war kind of like shanty town. Yeah, he's kind of like a Mad Max type character. Yeah, he's almost. building a fucking warp, warp capable drive. ship like in his spare time. Well, I, I think they the never nanos, really explain how the, the hell nanos that... are helping him, Brad. The nanos. The nanos are helping him. Who are the nanos? Are they like the Lartes? Smaller. Even smaller. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you think he's he had some nanos, huh? Not just some. He had like as many nanos as there are stars in the galaxy. Which is hundreds of billions. Okay. Well, I mean, where where do you get these nanos in this post-war... You said it. ...shantytown? You said it. The war created them. Got you. W- why okay. was there a war, you know? Got it. Okay. Do you? Do you got it, though? I think I got it now. Okay. I don't want to be... I don't want to get into it too much, but... Yes. But bottom yeah. line... So, he had eventually... Help. This is I'm, I say bottom line, but it's not the bottom line. I'm like five steps from the bottom line. <laughs> the these the so card and the rest of line. the crew of the Enterprise need to reveal themselves to Cochrane. Yeah, now they're fucking around with the timeline. Which well, is they're like, like it's so fucked. We just we have, have to do to. this to try to fix it, like because it's is got that, so fucked. Is is hmm, is fucking with the timeline and revealing yourself to let's face it a primitive society is are they breaking the prime directive even though it's their own society I'm or is that like maybe say, like breaking no. the prime directive times a million maybe well it's definitely something you don't want to do but it's not the prime directive i don't think it would be the prime directive it's a primitive society yeah it's definitely well. I think it's. I guess it's kind of twofold. One, you don't want to fuck with the timeline, and there's issues with that. And if you want, if you really want me to go down the line, man, I can get into that because we have the temporal investigators, uh, Ledmer and Luxley or whatever. I their names are were. they like the twenty uh, second century version of Roden 
Rodenverts and Gildan crap? No, they're not like that at all, actually. I have a feeling. But their names you... were an anagram of Skulder and Molly. Skulder okay. and Molly? Molly Skulder. and Skulder. Or Skulder and Molly. It works, whatever. However you want I to do it. I didn't even yeah. notice that you said anything wrong. <laughs> Seriously. Dana Molly. FBI. Yeah. Fox Skulder. Fox Skulder. Why just not? Flows Roll together from the, the tongue. X and the S just rolls right off the tongue. I seriously didn't even notice. What happens, right? The brain's just sampling, filling in the little gaps. That's what, how it works. What do you think's filling in those little gaps? Something really small, probably. Like some nanites. <laughs> nanites, nanos. Well, nanites potato. are even smaller than nanos, man. They're nanites. Well, they're, they're the ones that are attached they're the to the ceiling. They're the ones that build the nanos. Right? They're what? what, what, what what's that now? Well, they're the ones that are attached to the ceiling, right? And the namites are the ones right. on the floor. They grow Forget from it. the bottom, oh, right? Jesus. Right. Oh, fuck. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, what built the nanos? Other nanos. And they might reach it to the they they might might, reach the top. They might make it to the ceiling when they hold on tight from the ceiling. Yes. Other nanos built the, the first nano, built the second nano. Those two nanos each built a nano, or built two nanos. You know, you know how it works. You put the grain of rice on each square of the checkerboard. Yeah, I know exactly how that works. Because Zephyrin Cochran taught you, and you have your time investigators who are investigating time travel because they can tell when it happens, and they don't like it. It's like when Scary Daughter uses his magic wrong, like the adult fun crushing wizards kind of come to like check himself before he wrecks himself. Isn't that something that happened in those books slash movies? It might be something that happened in the scary Mater books, but the time the temporal investigators don't necessarily do that. What do they do? Because they can't. I don't think they can know if time changed. Like, there'd be no way for them to fucking know. But when, let's say, someone, there is some kind of time travel incident, something happens. Like, I, oh, I'm, you know, my ship accidentally goes back and gets sucked into some kind of vortex and goes back a hundred years. And then I fuck around and then eventually get back. And I, like, you know, write up my log report. Shit, we got sucked back a hundred years. These guys are like, okay, like, tell us everything that fucking happened. So they're not like... we want to assure that you didn't fuck anything up, like you didn't like go back to try to like make yourself rich or something, right? Like they, they can't be like, shit, you broke the law. It's more like, don't fucking go back in time if you can avoid it. And if you do, there's going to be a thorough investigation like what everyone fucking did on that ship to make sure no one's fucking up time on us. That sounds exhausting. Because we don't want you to accidentally all. delete the fucking universe. And we want you to know, if, don't be casual with this shit. And is it more of all, that's how I interpret their role. This like, sounds no. like the honor system. Well, it's the it's only, like the way, only to... way. The only way they know that people are traveling through time is if they come back and like be all a blabbermouth against themselves and write it. Well, the fuck that's down. true too. That's so just some don't write it down. Then <laughs> why I is mean, everybody if you're so fucking a single honest? Person 
and Nobody you have some sort of time technology, now? yes, go crazy. But, you know, if you're a Starfleet vessel, like, there's going to be a accounting, right? The ship is, like, logging what the fuck is happening. Like, you would have to get the entire crew of the ship in on this conspiracy with you to fuck things. So, yeah, like, you could technically do it. But, again, yes, it's more like an honor system. You're right. And, like, the honor so the thing that keeps you kind of honest is the fact that, yeah, there is this whole bureaucracy around you of, of a starship. And you have, you know, hundreds probably of crewmates that would all have to get on board with with you well correct me if i'm stuff. wrong brad but i have a question about the accounting yes, yes. i don't mean like dollars and cents because sure. in my limited knowledge the world of star trek exists without money um yeah that is that's well more yes or less? and no the sure. federation okay. does not use money that is correct right okay right right so, but so I don't mean accounting in that sense, but an accounting of the ship's comings and goings and doings and shoeings and time travels and wadgets and oozits. As far as I knew, it was only Kipton's log that did it. He's the only one that's like logging everything. No, everyone's so you, fucking logging. Everyone's shit. logging all shit all over tumbler. the place. Yeah, what? first officer's log, chief what? astro. Telemetry officers log. They all have the, their fucking logs. And the computers, the nanny, you know, I the mean, nanny in the daycare the center has a log. Sure. The children have logs. Probably. They want to start them getting them used to logging everything early on. I mean, look, it's a ship of fucking scientists out there exploring the galaxy. Like they have to do this shit by the book. They're not just like Yeah, let's fly okay, around fine. and see some cool stuff and come home and be like, that was cool. Fine, I get it, but not everybody on board is a scientist. Like, what's her name? The bartender, she wasn't a scientist, was she? That's true. She may not have a log. There are other people who have to perform functions. You still got to clean the fucking toilets, you know? I don't care what year it is. Like, there's people that have to do, you know, what you would consider menial tasks. I think even the person cleaning the toilets is logging shit. Well, I know they are logging shit, but I'm talking about making a diary of what happened during the day. I think they're doing that. I think they're doing that as well. Oh, both. Okay. Um, Well, I guess also, like, then is the ship itself logging the activities of everything and everyone? Well, I'm sure there is some time that that there's a starship. Send all this stuff back to Federation headquarters in San Francisco? Oh, the ship, The ship. The shit. <laughs> he said the shit because we're talking the- about the toilets and there's the shit log stuff. And I was about to say probably sometimes. Because what's it made of? Well, it's made of nanos, you- Brad. Yeah. Well, what happens is I'm sure there's been a time when a starship has encountered some strange cosmic nanos all the way down anomalous force. And it kind of evolved the captain's shit into some type of super intelligent nemesis that the crew then had to outsmart as the ship, as the shit slowly takes over the ship's systems. (laughs) No doubt somewhere in the history of the Federation that has happened. Jean-Luc Chicard. Don't play the shit card, Adam. You're going to make a shit card app? Maybe, maybe. You're saying the world is filled with possibilities. Yes. And all possible realities have actually happened. And one of those realities is the Kipton's shit turned into a giant 
shit monster and threaten to the crew and the shit of the Enterprise. Yes. Well, given all the crazy shit that happens every week for seven years straight on that ship, you'd ha- and think of all the other ships out there each having their own crazy adventure every week. I mean, it ha- it's just a numbers game. That, that, that probably right. happened. It's a numbers game. Well, you know what? This ship sounds like a real shithole. No, it's a shit house, Adam. What, are we splitting hairs here, Brad? Well, yes. Apparently we are. What kind of hairs? It's the great debate of our age. Shit house versus shit hole. We're splitting ass hairs. We're rearranging ass hairs mm. on the deck of the Enterprise. Is what That's we're doing. exactly what we are doing. That is exactly it. All right, I've given All right, up you're on, on the on... You're on the fourth... <laughs> Line. I don't know. I, if this, what was fuck it? it. Fifth line. No, I want to know more about the time investigators. Okay, so we're talking about time investigators? Yes. I mean, okay. So the time investigators. I feel like this is an episode you probably saw, but maybe not. I mean, I can't remember, dude. I it was an episode of since Deep the Space early 90s. Oh, well, then I definitely, if I did see it, I don't remember. <laughs> um, this was the an episode where to celebrate did, Star Trek's, I don't know, it must have been, I guess, 30th anniversary. Did Cisco go, a lot? Did he make he lots of noises that He did do that probably that once words? or twice, yes. Did he do it 36 times? Is that how many times you had to like take a drink? I didn't last that long, but I feel like you guys knew how many times he was going to go. <laughs> and you did that that on was purpose. one of the things on your card. That's pretty great. That was what that was the only thing. He just kept making nonverbal noises. Well, I thought the other thing. Well, there, I think there was another thing in it. Why did I have two? Which was, well, again, you so you play you you picked Cisco. And so you had a list of like Cisco things that every time he did one of those, you had to take a drink. And it was a very Cisco intense episode, wasn't it? Yes. Well, and it was not only that, but it was a Cisco and Dax intense episode. And they giggle at each other all the time or something? No. Well, Dax is like his old mentor who he calls, who is now a young, attractive lady because of sci-fi. Right, lucky him. He used to be an old man that was his mentor, but now it's a a uh, a young scientist. You're conflicted because you know the inner person, but you see the yes. outer person. But he calls her, and they never did any kind of like romance shenanigans with that. So I'll give the show credit, Good. Well, big credit for that. But he was, um, but so he calls her. Get this, even though it's a young. You know, mid twenties, probably woman. He calls her old man. Okay, old man. Oh boy. So th- this happened to be an episode where he called her because this was a special Dax heartfelt, like soul wrenching. He called her old man probably a hundred times in that episode, more than any episode ever. And that was on my card. And that was on your card. Yeah. Does he and call his anybody little, else old man ever? Does he call anyone else old man? Yeah. No, that's like his special name for her. I mean, how often hymns. in a random episode does he say the words old man? 
he only calls her old man and occasionally here and there. And how often is, is he in this she episode? In though I think he did it ten times. She's in every episode. She's a main oh, character. Okay. okay, but it just happened to be exploring their relationship a lot. So it was like yeah. ten old mans, and like ten or twenty yeah. little noises. Right. Yeah, I only remember the first five. I think, and then it was. I feel time like for me, like these drinking games, right? Which I don't even know if like. People today know what even what we're talking about. Is that even still a thing? Because like back in the days of the internet, the early days, the nineties, that was like a thing. It was almost like I guess it was like I don't know what it, I don't know if you qualified as a meme, but it was just like a thing, a goofy thing on the like oh here's the whatever. Yeah, the blah well, blah. I blah, guess blah, people drink. still do it. Yeah, here's the Star Trek drinking game. Here's the yeah they do it with Bill like Clinton Academy drinking games. Like, yeah. I'd like to thank my agent. Take a shot. Right, take a shot. You know? But, like, these were, like, organized. Like, there was actually rules and, like, car. Like it wasn't just like, oh, take a shot. Everyone, someone says, someone gets, like, ushered off the stage because they ran out of time with the kid. It's more like, this was, like, more game-like. It was like, okay, here's this website with the rules for the drinking game. Let's do it. Like, okay, so each person picks a character. Because that's what Ugh. makes it a game. It's almost like playing bingo. Like, you don't know going into this if you're going to get hammered, you're going to have to only take two drinks. Like, what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm still not sure if I won or lost that game. I mean, it's a... It's a, it's a yeah, matter it's a, of perspective. And as you know, I do lack perspective. Yes. What, what would you I do say? know is, and I, it was Saturday night. We're, like, in college... So it's like Saturday night. Yeah, time to go out. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. We were like of the age where you could even go to bars and shit, right? Yeah. So it's like Saturday night. We're going to be up till 3, 4 in the morning. We're going to go out. We're going to dance. But it's like, okay, before we go. Live music. And then we're yeah. going to like go to a diner or something. Fuck but around. Get some yeah. food. But, you know, that shit doesn't start happening till like 10, right? Right. Before that, it's way too early. So this is like 7. It's like, well, let's start or let's. Oh, I'm going to put on Star Trek because I'm a huge nerd. I know. Let's play this Star Trek <laughs> drinking game. Here it is. Do a couple shots. Get warmed we'll up. Yeah. So we played the Star Trek drinking game. And I think everyone in that apartment was asleep, passed out by 8.30 p.m. <laughs> thanks to the Star Trek drinking game. <laughs> Except for me and I was puking my brains out in the bathroom. Yeah. Because I got Cisco. And old man and nonverbal noises. So, okay, the temporal, you, the temporal investigators. Do you remember what we were drinking? I don't think I do. I do because I've never had it since. Well, so what, let me know. What is this? What was this? Yukon Jack. Yukon Jack. What is Yukon that exactly? Jack. Uh, is that know, a- that's a great question. <laughs> it's a I mean, syrupy, I- sweet whiskey type. It's a whiskey type. Okay, that's what I wanted to say. People yeah. also ask, what is similar to Yukon Jack? Yeah, who the fuck knows? But it's a liqueur. It's a Canadian liqueur. But I don't feel like that's what I was drinking, but anything's possible, I guess. We had a handle of it. Everybody was doing these shots, but I think okay. by the time I got like six to eight in, the game was to watch me keep doing shots. <laughs> it may have felt that way, but listen, I'm a, I was a stickler for the rules, man. 
Yeah, that's you just true. got a really dealt a really bad hand, a cosmically bad hand in the one and only time we played the Star Trek Deep Space Nine drinking game. What I was going to say about the drinking game, though, is I don't think you're supposed to actually play them. They're just like funny. Oh, are we? Uh, Why do you we, think that? I don't know. That's what I think. I don't think many people actually ever was like, yes, let's play the Star Trek drinking game, like an actual game, and we're going to stick to the rules, and we're even going to use Brad. some of the weird little things in it. So there was weird little rules in there with the Botany Bay, and that was another thing that fucked us. Wait, Botany Bay? Yes. What do you mean? Botany Bay. Oh, no. Botany Bay. Now, I want to put an asterisk on this whole conversation. Okay. To the listeners out there, I know we talked about this about a hundred episodes ago. Yeah, I don't care. But that was like four episodes, four years ago. So I don't care. Like we're still gonna yeah, talk, we're gonna retell care. these stories with a renewed zeal. You will enjoy yeah. them because we have <laughs> we're wiser we're older now. Yeah, yeah. Better. wiser. We've gained perspective. The Botany Bay. So in Star Trek Two, as you well know, Botany Bay. Mm-hmm. Botany Bay. Oh no. Right? Sure. Oh, no. Botany Bay. So. What? That was a, like, drink, like a clue? If you well, get that, you got to Here was the rule. You Everybody could, Here was the rule. Someone, I'm, for, I'm, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but in essence, if you had the Botany Bay, under a certain condition, you could then give it to someone else. In essence, you would throw the Botany Bay into their shot glass and then that person would have to say oh botany bay oh no and then take the shot so it was another like kind of wild card strategic thing moving through the game so if you had a character who said botany bay no it didn't matter because that only Chekhov is the only person that ever said well no they say it in the con yeah but no, like no one in Deep Space Nine ever says Botany Bay. Okay, I didn't think. Like, they're not going around saying that. Right. Are they? No, but you as a player, me as Brad, you as Adam, I have yeah. a little miniature Botany Bay. A physical representation yes, of it? Yes, which was great. Well, here's the thing. We, we printed out these rules to the, to the fucking game, uh-huh. and it had this idea. You can use a Botany Bay, throw the model in, and I was like, hold on one second. I ran into my room, dug through a bunch of boxes, came back, boom, I had a miniature Botany Bay. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. Well, and everybody could use it once, or like you could use it- I don't remember- I, bet I think you could it was use part of our then, downfall because you could just use it constantly, and so everyone was just making everyone drink. I, there, it was more than just complete un... I think if you had it and then you had to take a drink, that was your chance then to pass it to someone else. That sounds right. So you right. could make someone else have to take a shot with you if you had the Botany Bay and with chose you to use it. you or in place of you. I, I think, think it was we, in place of you. Well, that would be cool. That might make more sense. Maybe that's how it went. And you could pass it around. It's like, oh shit, Cisco just went. <laughs> and I, but I've I, got the Botany Bay, yeah, and I, I can throw it into your glass. And it's like now you got to do a I, shot on account I, of Cisco's weird yeah. toots and hoots and hollerings. I think the way we played it is, if you had the Botany Bay at any time, you could give it to someone else and make that person drink, and then that person any time could give it to someone and make them drink, and we just <laughs> passed it around constantly, and in the course of three minutes, did maybe 20 shots. 
Yeah, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> uh, we should be more cognizant of the rules and right. their consequences. Or at least, like, realize there's a loophole in this rule. We need to modify it. Yeah. I'm very big in detecting the loopholes and modifying them. That's one of my, that's that's just one of my things. Yeah, you found that one all on your own just now. Yeah. Good work. But me wow. having that miniature botany bay, that was a great fucking moment in my nerd life. I bet first of all, I bet you were going through a sort of cornucopia of emotions when you read the rules and you realized, holy shit, botany bay, I can Go into my room and find a physical representation. Like, I tend, I can hold it in my hand. It's in there. So at first there's excitement. You rush into your room. I bet you yeah. couldn't find it at first. And then maybe there's some, like, panic. Like, oh, no, this one beautiful moment I have for this item. It's slipping yep. through my fingers like star systems. But then you did find it. Resurgent emotions. Yeah. And then I and had the Coming thought. out. And here it is. Yes, but then I had the thought, oh, well, do I want to fucking have everyone throwing this in their drink and ruin it, soil it by dipping it in alcohol? This is my precious little, precious, precious little two-inch botany bay. It's my United States botany bay. (laughs) What are you going to do with it? It was that, it was its shining moment. You're exactly right. I mean, that crossed my mind for about three seconds. I was like, fuck it. This is too good. Too good. I have a botany bay. I actually have one. If you have a botany bay, you use the botany bay. When the time time comes. Comes. Yeah, exactly. Because that time is few and far between. It's rare. There's maybe once in your life when that door is going to open for you and you got to fucking take it. You you walk through that door. Yeah. It's never going to open again. Shit, man. So, time detect, time investigators. Yes. Yes. Here, I'll look I think them we're at, up here. We're third, third from the bottom line now. Yep. Let's stay on track. We don't want to get sidetracked. Right. Department of Temporal Investigations. Mm-hmm. Luxley and Dolmer. I said Ledmer. It was Dolmer. Two agents from the Department of Temporal. So this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing they did. Was it a male and a female? It wasn't a male and a female. But the whole con, this whole episode was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it was pretty awesome. So this was to commemorate Star Trek's 30th anniversary. Deep Space Nine did a special show where the cast of Deep Space Nine travels back in time to the original Enterprise. 1995 this aired originally? 1996 it would have been if it was the 30th 96. anniversary. Okay. Yeah. But this we were watching it. This was syndicated at this point. Well, it was always syndicated. This was 1996. It ran in first run syndication. I mean, we watched this when it first aired. It was, I mean, at least I, I, did. I did. I I lived in the in the dorms. So when I lived in South Hall's junior year, but again, yeah, I, they I did, doing the, that. they did like that crazy, like, you know, I don't know why I would call it crazy, but you know that at the time, somewhat still somewhat, uh, cutting edge kind of thing. Like they did in like Forrest Gump, like here's Forrest Gump, like hanging out with Richard Nixon. Like they put him in that scene and it didn't just look like they pasted him on a green screen. You know what I mean? 
They like I, realistically put them in there. I do, but I think it was LBJ. I don't think Nixon was in. Right, Forest LBJ. Clinton. Yeah. So. Sure. Right. Because so they they, they kind of did that with this episode, where in essence, Forrest got shot very near his bunghole or shithole, whatever you want to call it. Right. And uh, as we know, LBJ had a thing for his bunghole. He did. He needs some space down. He there. did. If if you don't know what we're talking about, you want to check out the previous episode of Gutterballs. Johnson? Lyndon Baines Johnson. Right, which is episode number... You know it offhand, right? No, uh, somewhere back there. It's down, <laughs> it's there, down somewhere. there somewhere. Let me, let take, me take another, another look. look. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's... uh. Sorry, it's episode 127. All right, yes. Let's give that a listen, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yes, all about LBJ and his bunghole, as well as, you know, some other things. Yep. A little bit of Vietnam. The elusiveness of truth. Why does it all, why does everything have to do with Vietnam? Wait, what? What's the lyric? I don't know. (laughs) What does anything have to do with Vietnam? So... Time investigators. Right. So then this episode. It's a little tongue in cheek. It's a little tongue in cheek because the whole. So the premise of the episode is Cisco and and company end up back in time to the time of the original series on the Enterprise. And did so they give it a look like did it that, look like it? Yes. And Cisco's had, wearing like the red shirt. Right. Because they had to blend in. So, yeah, they're wearing oh. the things, you know, they do the whole thing. Yeah, it all looked like the original series, like Dax was making a comment like, oh, I love mid mid 23rd century aesthetics, leather, chrome trim. And she's like, you know, fondling her her tricorder and stuff. Anyway, when did Deep Space Nine take place. It took place in the You don't have to be specific, but like how much farther in the future, like. A hundred years, a thousand years, like about a hundred years. Okay, definitely not not a thousand. Yeah, like I mean, like some of these Jamokes are still alive, kind of. Oh wow! Okay, like McCoy is. He's still alive. Well, at the exact time of this episode, I don't know, but in the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, McCoy has a cameo, kind of a, a symbolic like passing of the torch, like oh, let's put the stamp that this is the same universe as the original series, you know? Yeah. Right. He was all made up to look like even super elderly and is all like, I'm a super old person. Which weirdly, like Agent Cooper in season three is actually 25 years older, but he looks younger than the made up to be old Cooper in season two or season one, whatever it was. Wait, he looks older in looks, the return or less old. I'm not sure. He looks less old, especially as bad coop, you know, right. cause they made in 1991, they made coop look like ancient, like a frail quivery old man, or that's what they were going. For, yeah. You know, all wrinkly and withered. Right. I was an old man. Well, they have, like, well, I mean, you're like 57. I mean, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they didn't old. with with Coop. It wasn't quite as extensive. I mean, I understand it's television, and you need to really drive it home. If it's yeah, too subtle, no one's going to notice. Right. 
I mean, and that's the same thing. There's like a, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of these, uh, you know, joke images you see people pass around on the Internet. So the same concept with like Patrick Stewart as Picard. It's like, oh, Picard, um, 30 years older in Star Trek generation. It's the same thing. Like they made him look and way more than Coop. Like he's just like, a, yeah, super old dude. He looks like someone who's probably 90. And they're like, you know, Patrick Stewart in actual 30 years later. And like, he looks like exactly the same. Right. Not possibly even younger. I mean, he does have a weird Dick Clark thing going on, Patrick Stewart. Like, they're kind of ageless. Like, you can probably make, if he was more of a household name, you could probably make those jokes about him. Yeah. Well, he did it right. He, you know, kind of like you, you know, he took his physical appearance and he age proofed it like right. early on right it's a very particular thing he did he shaved his pubes he shaved it all off there is nothing quite like a shorn scrotum you really should try it everyone so time investigators right so so again the episode so they go back in time to the original series and it's they redo an episode of the original series, which was a very tongue-in-cheek cheek, cheap epi- cheek episode, which I think is what makes this whole thing work, two is tongues, that they didn't cheeks. take it too seriously, right? So the original one was also tongue-in-cheek. Yes, so which the was the, the Tribble episode. Tongue-in-cheek. Yes. Oh, it was the Trouble with Tribbles? Yeah. So in Deep Space Nine, they go back to the of Trouble course. with Tribbles. So of while course. all that is happening... It's kind of like one of these, you know, kind of like how in Back to the Future 2, you see the events of Trouble with Tribbles playing out. But meanwhile, there's another layer where behind the scenes, the crew of the, of uh, you know, from Deep Space Nine are all running around trying to, you know, do this and have battle with the, the bad guy that came from their time. But also keeping, you know, and there's all kinds of weird little cute yeah. things they do. Like That's pretty glorious. Yeah, where, like, things that happened, like, in the originals, like, there's a scene where Kirk is talking, and, like, this Tribble just kind of, like, falls out of this, like, hatch onto his head, and it's, like, a comedy thing in the original. But in this, you see how, like, Cisco throws the thing, and then it lands on his head. You know? Yeah, oh, I know. I bet it, uh, Cisco it, was making lots of adorable little nonverbal noises in yeah. that episode, too. Yes, yes. So, but I'll tell you this. It, it you sounds, can't resist. Look at them. They're fucking adorable. They did a they they did a great job. It was it was done very well, very loving. Didn't take itself seriously. It was it's just a great episode. Now, how and, did it look when they were incorporating like present day Deep Space okay. Nine people into the footage of the original series? <laughs> so, so I gotta give you a big caveat with this. Okay, give it to me. This was around the same time when the CGI Homer Simpson blew my mind. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I want to say they did you it were, in such an amazing, flawless way that I'm still flabbergasted You by were gobsmacked. It. Gobsmacked by it. Now, if I watch it now, it might just be like, what the fuck? You know what I suggest? Don't watch it. Yeah. I won't either. Let's just have it be pure in our memories, because I do remember this now that you're talking about it, and I th- remember it looking pretty cool too. Yeah, the no, Cisco I think they did people a really, I, were washed out. They kind of had that, like, you know, yeah. same kind of lighting where it's like one kind of harsh source, and 
Yeah. Yeah, those '60s colors. So let's right. just and they keep did it the, like and that. And they just and they just seamlessly integrated like the original cast. Like Cisco, right? Enters the bridge and. Kirk is like, Lieutenant, what what are you what are doing? And he's just like, Oh, I, I just had this thing for you to sign. And Kirk's like, Okay, here you go. Like, you know, and it's just like it's just like, wow, what the what an amazing sleight of hand they did to just seamlessly put these like, you know, nineteen sixties characters in with these nineteen like, yeah, it was pretty great. And then Cisco like walks behind Kirk and like steps on his tail right, and walks exactly. over it and Kirk's like, oh, ow. That, that's pretty much exactly correct. They had to kind of like digitally move Cisco up a little bit like he's stepping on his tail. Yeah. Look, 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 up, look, 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 now, <laughs> <Yep>. down. <laughs> but seamless, yeah. seamless. Yes. Now I have a question for you. Shoot. All right. Let's check off shoot first. No. Good. I give it my thumbs up. I give it my thumbs up the bunghole approval. All right, so time investigators, though. Yeah, so they take this... So the whole episode is done within the frame of these time investigators. And are they back there? They're not back. They only... Is it like flashbacks? Because they're only yeah. in the present. Right, so the, Deep Space the, sh- Nine the episode present. starts with time investigators. They come to Cisco's office... And he's just like, oh, shit, the time investigators. I fucking hate these guys or whatever. But he you knows know? that it's a part of the bureaucracy and he yeah. has to do it. And he's, he's not kind that of pissed like, about it. It's just annoying, right? Right. And, they, and not, again, Is he the afraid? Time, he's not afraid, no. Okay. It's just like, yeah, more shit I got. It's kind of like, yeah, these guys. And right. again, they're and the time investigator. Again, it's a lighthearted episode. They're kind of played for laughs. They're, they're a very, like, joyless bureaucrats, right? Yeah, but are they joyless like, like Cisco will try that can to bring like, you down? Well, Cisco might try to make light or say like, "Well, that's the thing." They're like, you know, well, you know, we, you know, it's not like we were, blah blah blah, and they're just like, "Well, how do you mean? Do you mean you know what I mean?" It's like it's kind of like a, but it's more like, "Come on, guys, yeah, you know what I mean." And like, do just these like, do these blah, balloons blah, blah, blah. blow up into funny shapes? No, yeah. unless round unless is funny. Round is funny. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> They're kind of like that, uh, yeah. So, so th- they're kind of the frame for the episode. So the episode is kind of like Cisco is telling them the story of what happened. So it's like you know, you, you, they're like, well, Cisco's like, you know, well, it all started a couple days ago. We were transporting the time orb to blah blah blah, and then you know, cut to the actual dramatization of the things happening, right? But it allows. Again, for comedic effect and to move the story around, right? It kind of adds this built-in narrator type thing. And yeah, it kind of works because the idea is like this. But that's motivated. So that's yeah, like, and the story is kind of like so ludicrous in a way. It gives you these straight-faced guys to be like, this is fucking crazy. Like, what the fuck? Excuse me, what? Is, and then you like is, cut is back this, to the present day. Yeah, like, is this real kind of thing? So, yeah, it gives you a more... Again, it shows how they're not necessarily taking it seriously. It it, it worked, right? Like and everything also, they did here worked. They made really also, good creative decisions. Brad, yes. Time orb is not the preferred nomenclature. You mean orb of time? Sure. That is the pr- correct nomenclature, no doubt. No. Time orb. Come on. What are we fucking amateurs here? 
Well, you know, I'm just trying to make it simpler. I cut off that preposition. I'm using the more regular vernacular word, right? All right. All right. I'm trying to make this story go a little smoother before we actually get into talking about regarding Henry and everything else. So I'm just trying to, you know, maybe instead of spending 90 minutes talking about Star Trek, we can spend maybe only 80 all right, I'm on board then. Keep omitting that extra word. Okay. Time orb. I time submit orb. it into the captain's log. All right. So you time investigators. You mean his diary, right? What's that? You mean his diary? <laughs> yes, that his space kind of diary. Right, okay, good. Sorry. Whew. It's hard to keep straight, but I know the time yeah. investigators and Cisco are used as sort of a narrative device to drive the story forward. Right. Like a literal narrative device where they're narrating at, yes. to some degree. Yes. Okay. So okay. that is so that's so that's time investigators. Right. That's where they come from. That's where the concept is. That's where it where it And they showed up in first contact. No. You had a question about first contact, about people going back, changing time, and blah, blah, blah. And I mentioned, well, you have these time investigators trying to deter that from happening. That's kind of predicated on a prime directive question, though. And you seem right. to think that it wasn't violated. So there's, the well, there's two issues. So I think. I so think, now we're on, we're on the I second the, line. The temporal, right? yes, the temporal violation supersedes the prime directive. Holy shit. Well, then the prime directive ain't prime. Well, that's true. I I would say this. When the prime directive was written and so named, like, like, like you know, the, the founding fathers of Starfleet, so to speak, did not foresee a, a point where time travel would be happening. Seems pretty myopic. Yes. To say your, your, your first... Duty is not to change time. Although, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. So here's the problem with Star Trek, right? That seems way more important than fucking with primitive civilizations. Yeah. It's like, don't obliterate the entire universe. Well, I guess it depends. Because you were, like, typing incredibly fast on a keyboard and it blew people's fucking minds. Like, don't do that. Or, like, I don't know, you invented transparent aluminum. Right. Well, Don't like he mentions, that. how do we know he didn't invent the thing? Well, he did now. Right. It's kind In of our like, timeline. It's fucking real. He appropriated it, but he only invented it because he already knew about it. It's like well, Back to the Future when it's like, you know, white appropriation of black culture because Marty McFly is now responsible for <laughs> rock and roll because he's like, Blues Riff and B, watch me for the changes. And try to keep up and plays Johnny B. Good. But he right. only knew Johnny B. Good because Chuck Berry invented it in the first place. It's recursive and it's a loop. Marty McFly didn't invent that shit. Well, they addressed this in this Deep Space Nine Temple Investigator episodes. Let's get to it. Are where, we on the first line yet or not? Where, we on the we're, baseline? No, we're not. We've just gone back up. We're now at level four we're again. On level four again or three. Where I, eh, three, I guess. Where three. they said, uh, you know, because that you know, Cisco. It starts again. They're in Cisco's office. He's explaining the gist of the situation, and and they're just like, and I forget exactly what he says, but one of the temporal investigators are like, 
are you claiming this is a predestination paradox? And he's like, what? He's like, <laughs> are you saying that you believe the, um, you know, the timeline that we're living in, the defiant went back in time. And so by you going back in time, you're just fulfilling the destiny and putting things, you know, whatever. Right. Kind of like you're saying, like, there's weird loop happens. Right. Predestination paradox. I like and it. Cisco's just goes like, uh, no, good. We hate <laughs> good. those. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Again, the two deadpan guys are just like, good. The other guy's like, we hate those. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's funny. It was funny. It was very yeah, funny. It's funny. It's funny. Just like taking a leak. Always funny. That's another thing in Star Trek First Contact was that from Cochran. He takes a leak. He says, he says to Jordy, I got to take a leak. And Jordy's like, I'm not detecting any leaks. Don't people in the future have to pee? Oh, leak. <laughs> I get it. That's funny. He still had his emotion chip engaged. No, at that it was point, Jordy. Jordy. Oh, it was not, Jordy. Not Data. Yeah. Not the robot man. Yeah. I mean, am, I understand you might think that because how he's so like strange and not understanding. Right. Take a it's leak, like, but uh, Jordy should. You know, know in the future, again, just because he's blind doesn't make him stupid. Seems to speak very formally and without these kind of like idioms, right? Yeah, but meanwhile, the first officer is like swooping his leg over the backs of chairs. <laughs> Yep, that's true. But again, no one's doing that back now, so. No. Back, back now. Not. Back now. Yeah. Back to the now. <laughs> so. We should make that movie. That sounds like a cool movie to me. Right. Gotta get back to now. Back to the now. Bow, bow, bow. Gotta get back to now. So, time investigators, let's get to the baseline now. Okay. I think we're ready to reel it in. Let's bottom line here. The bottom line is in Star Trek First Contact, in which the crew of the, ne- the, the, the Enterprises, the Next Generation Enterprise, goes back in time to the year 2063 and meets the guy that invents warp drive. And they eventually have to come clean and say, look, we're from the future and we're trying to make sure you don't fuck this up because it accidentally got fucked up already. Talk about So you've like- got to fucking do this like pressure much yeah and they like kind of prove it to them i don't know they show like some weird like things with techno whatever you know they prove them that it's real and he's like wait you're serious you're from oh i know what they do they look through the telescope and they see the enterprise up there he sees the enterprise in orbit and he's like wait so you're all astronauts on some sort of star trek Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. I mean, they gave him the titular line of the entire franchise. That's that's no small honor. They could have done a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sh- I'm not going to give words- it a zero. A zero out of ten. Oh, I don't know. I think it's a zero. Those words should never <laughs> be spoken in the Star Trek franchise. Any iteration of it. I don't know. I'm going to give it. That's what we know it as. I give it a five out of ten. Oh, I thought you meant five out of a hundred. No. I was saying zero out of a hundred, and I was like, okay, you could give it a one out of a hundred, I guess. No. You're giving it 50% fresh? Yeah, I'm going all the way up to 50%. I realize that's a bold statement. 
You, I realize that's a bold statement, but I'm going to give it 50%. You're blinded, just like Jordy. You're blinded by science. Fucking ableist. I can't believe it. How does that make you feel? Anyway, 50%. 50% on yeah. some kind of Star Trek? Yeah, Come it's fucking on. a little, it's ham-handed. Yeah. It's bad, man. In fact, I wonder if that's the last Star Trek movie I watched until the reboot. Could be. Well, there was just two others. I don't think I watched them. There was the one where people got young. Nope, didn't see it. Like, a little young. Just a little, like, more rejuvenated. Not like they got young actors or they turned into toddlers. Yeah. Like we went back Um, two weeks. Right. The, uh... What a kick in the it nuts featured, that would be. It was a we very... can make you younger. <laughs> yes, give it to me. Hey, it's two weeks ago. You're welcome. <laughs> right. You fucking asshole. It did feature Worf. Do I have this right? <laughs> You're asking me? I, I I can't remember the details. This is a, sh- a pox, a shame on my Star Trek fandom. But in essence, it's a scene with... Picard, Worf, and Data flying shuttlecrafts in like a kind of like actiony kind of pursuit sequence, but they are singing the score to the HMS Pinafore. Um, <laughs> it's the most Star Trek thing ever. Did you just toy something with your own petard? <laughs> I might have. Um. I don't know. I swear I was listening. <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, that's right. Here it is. I'll have to send this afterwards. If you never saw this, you'll be flabbergasted. But again. You know, when, hmm, yeah. When they tried to go action-y back then and Frakes, God rest his soul, kind of took over the helm. Yeah. The directing helm. I mean, I appreciated what they were trying to do, but it didn't, that did not work. Yeah. Star Trek is not an it, action it, it, franchise. Yeah, but you know what? And when they Jeffrey try when does it's the it, movies. When Jeffrey does it, or the other dude, like, they can kind of get away with that a little bit. Right. Well, they changed it's so slick. it. They changed it, right? But back then, when they're hoisting ships with their own petards right it was still more in the cerebral star trek yes and like to be all actiony like that and have like you know frakes cocking shotguns and shit just was like incongruous i mean there was always a sense of maybe adventure like suspense. Oh, for sure. Or but like, you would solve it with your brain holes. Right. Not or maybe your... sometimes you'd have to brute force it, but it would yeah, again maybe. be like clean. It would be like, I'm going to cold cock this guy in the back of the head. Yeah. Or give him the Vulcan, you know, right. sleeping pinch. Which is why they invented that, right? Because you don't want violence. Let's just, you know, yeah. mitigate the situation with as much nonviolent violence as we can. Yeah. And then they're going around like, boom, boom. Now that's all the Star Trek movies are. And action kind of shoot them up. Yeah. I mean. Which, whatever. Yeah. I have some mixed. Yeah. I'll say this. 
definitely next generation the action played very differently than it would like for an action movie even the action in like the show like yes you can have an action like a standoff between two starships and maybe they eventually fire a torpedo at one of them fires a but again it was it was very um it was almost like theater of the mind like you weren't watching some like you know oh millennium falcon flying through a fucking cave you know it was more yeah. like we're this yeah. is we're in space there's no fucking features of anything and we're just going to kind of stare at this other ship and hope it doesn't fucking fire at us cuz if it does that's like the equivalent of like you know north korea firing the missile at us like yeah we don't there. want that like like you know or if like yeah the ship fucking fires one torpedo and it's like oh fuck this is fucked and that'll incite an all-out war between the federation and the and romulans, romulans. Or whoever the fuck yeah. ever you know but yeah. also like you're talking about visuals the representation of the violence but there's also a reticence to even resort to violence too. right like nobody right. wanted even if it's like dudes are on your ship they're coming to get you like you would still only resort to violence as like the last thing right you would try all other measures yes before you're like shooting people and even then you would set to fucking stun if you could yes yeah you'd always be set to stun or just like oh this guy's running around like we'll just contain him and you press right. a button on your screen and then beep like he's just stuck in a fucking force field right and now we can then, talk to him about like, hey, what are you doing, buddy? Let's talk him down. And we why can are you be- on the ship? Let's de-escalate the situation here. Yeah, this is exactly. a diplomatic mission to Alderaan, you know. <laughs> but now it's like they're just kind of action heroes. I mean, yeah, they're sixty yeah. percent action hero now. Right. Well, thank you for talking to me about time of a guesser. Investigators, do you want to get down to brass tacks here? <laughs> got a lot of regards. No, not really. <laughs> you know what? There's always next time. There's always next time, man. A British tar is a soaring soul, as free as a mountain bird. His energetic fist should be ready to resist a dictatorial word. Sing, walk, sing. His nose should pant, and his lips should curl. His cheeks should flame, and his brow should furl. His bosom should heave, and his heart should glow. And his fist be ever ready for a knockdown blow. His nose should pant, and his lips should curl. His cheeks should flame, and his brow should furl. His bosom should heave, and his heart should glow. And his fist be ever ready for a knockdown blow. Prepare the doggy clamps. <laughs>